wasn't sure how to start off today because, again, I didn't want Christian to smile at me. I didn't, so I'm going to start off you. very docile. But we're back. But we are back. Hello, and, friends. <laughs> hello, friends. We're so good. To, seriously, it's good to have everybody with, with us today. We're, uh, this is Beyond Sunday. And we say this every week, but we mean it, is that there is something so powerful about God's Word, these ideal truths that we're trying to dive into and to understand. But those truths aren't just meant to be left off as things that we think about or theorize about. Man, these things are meant to be landed into our lives, and we believe the best place to land it is into a specific local church, Cornerstone, amongst friends and relationships that I think that is the place where it is most healthy to start to learn how we live as Christ intended to live. So we're excited about that. Um, and even today, we're going to be talking about how God has called us and designed us to live as we look at First uh, Thessalonians 5. And so that's where we'll, we'll go today. We've been, we've been working it through the week before. Maybe you can just kind of lay out, Christian, how did you kind of end? Because I think how you ended in verse 11 is so important to helping us kind of understand where, where the rest of this is intended to go. Yeah, so I mean, that, that, end, that end part of Paul talking about the return of Christ in the day of the Lord, he says, you're not going to be surprised by this like a thief in the night because that day already shapes your identity in Christ. You, you are children of the day, children of the light. So live like it. He says, live like you're in the day. Um, and the way that we do that, he says there in verse 11, is that we do this by encouraging one another and building one another up. And that leads into the non-laundry list that he <laughs> ends with the letter with of all these ways in which he gives us tangible yeah. actions. This is how we encourage and build each other up. Yeah. And I think like that's so important to keep at the forefront of this, because I think if you're, if you're not careful, you can lose sight that this aren't just these, Paul was kind of almost, you know, finishing up and he's like, oh, dang it, I got five or six yeah, more things a, to say. I'm running out of room. But he really, there's a, such a strategic way, I think, with where these commands come and flow out of, like, he tells us so much of who we are for the last, you know, five and a half chapters. Yeah. And then this, this list of things that he brings to bear here are, in light of what I've told you now, here's, here's how I'm going to call you to live. And so much of it, and I think I thought you nailed it just so that we're not joking. I thought you nailed the idea though, that it's so built out of this idea of build one another up. But I think the question that, that this text answers, which is so important is build one another up to what, Mm -hmm. right? Well, what, and also I would even say how, yeah, he's going to tell how, but there's a definite goal in mind. Yeah. And I, I think like there's some real clues in and through this text when he talks about peace, mm-hmm. when he talks about, to your point, uh, Spencer, the how we're doing things. But I think the way he ends in verses 23 through 24, I think that's like just the absolute, you know, pinnacle of where he's moving, where yeah. that reminder that this, this, this is God and he's accomplishing his work. He's sanctifying, he's setting apart, he has an intent and purpose which becomes so so important to it, but really that we would, and this is the way I tried to put it uh, on Sunday, that we truly would be the people God intends us to be. <clears throat> that we would, that is peace. That is, the, the, we'll talk more about it, the shalom, the intent of God and what he's trying to do. So that's where we're going today. We're excited about it. We'll have a little discussion through it, but I think that is where this is so key and so important to us having this discussion today. So Todd, on Sunday, you walked us through the first part of these instructions that, that Paul gives in regard to leaders and then the way that the, the character of those leaders shapes the character of those under their care as well. You want to just kind of yeah. walk us through that again? Well, I think what's so important to understand about this is when Paul's talking about 
this building up, he does see it as not an individual effort, but a body event, yeah. right? Like I, I tried to emphasize that, that we cannot be the people God intends us to be apart from sharing life together within God's family. And the leaders that he laid out, and I think that really it had a lot to do with the fact that he probably didn't have the time like he did in a lot of other churches, because we know he had appointed elders before. Yeah. But yet, in some way, these leaders came to the surface maybe more organically, and he had to tell them what to look for. And what's cool is, as he, as he laid this out, when he started talking about this idea of them laboring among you, that was one key part of it, are over you in the Lord, and then admonish you. He was mm -hmm. kind of showing the character of who they were. But every facet of it, and this is the thing I tried to emphasize, was that this is built around the upside-down kingdom, Yeah. that the greatest amongst you will be the least, right? The least amongst you will be elevated, will be exalted. And in a cool way, he's saying, that's the leader I want you to find. I want you to find the leader that's not in it like with it is within the Roman Empire, where we use our power, our privilege, um, our finances for our own ends. Mm -hmm. But man, I want you to follow those ones that more than likely were probably house leaders. And I want you to follow them. Yeah. And I think the cool part about it was, is that they were more like spiritual parents. Like, look for these great moms and dads in the faith and then follow them. And not only follow them, but in verse 13, he says, I want you to esteem them very highly, which would have been, an, again, Jesus's upside down kingdom is that I think oftentimes those in power, we more acquiesce. Mm. And he says, I don't want you just to acquiesce. These people that invest in you like this, I want you to esteem them. And then he even says this in love yeah. because of not the fact that they're a house leader, not because you know they have power and prestige, but because of their work. I want you to see that. And I thought that was just, that aspect of it, I think is so needed today in the church, that upside down kingdom of Jesus, where we don't use power and prestige, or even when we're on maybe the less well-off ones, instead of just acquiescing to what they're doing, going, no, I, I want you to influence me. I want you to show me where to go, which is such a different, I think, capacity to understand that. I think I, what, what you just said, it, it talks about the two ways that we go off the rails in our approach to those in, in positions of authority over us. One, one can be a reluctant or even critical sort of, hey, I know you're over me, so I'm watching you and you better do things the way that I want you to do it. Or even there can be that weird sort of putting on airs. I'm going to act in a like hypocritical sort of yeah. honoring way when you're there. And then as soon as you turn around, I'm going to go back to talking about you however I want. Exactly. Like there's such a legitimacy to where he says, esteem them highly in love. Like make sure that this isn't just airs that you put on. It's you know, the legitimate way in which you cultivate a Christ-like heart for those that that watch over you in the same yeah. way. Yeah, which is, again, this this is what he's doing here. Because if you, you, you laid out the idea in 4, 1 through 8, where he started off with the idea of how we walk before the Lord, yeah, right? Yeah, And then he finished out in 4, 12, this idea of how we walk before other people. Yeah. And so much of it, I think, has to do with that, that, that how you walk as my people, how you display me and honor me, is to actually live the upside down kingdom. Yeah. But how the world will see we're different is to see that we don't use power prestige. We, we, we submit differently in how we come alongside of others in love. It's, I think he just had this beautiful idea of what the church is supposed to look like. And I think that's that next command at the end of verse 13 is that when we do that, and he says to be at peace, well, be, be the people God intends you to be. And yeah. I kind of tried to lay that out and build that concept that this idea of peace isn't just, you know, mental, maybe, uh, 
uh, a satisfaction in where I'm at or emotional ease in where yeah. I'm supposed to be. But it was so much that building of peace out of the Old Testament that had to do this idea of us entering towards shalom, towards truly being and becoming the people God intends us to be. When you act like this, he says, you're being who God intends you to be. Like that's that's a good thing. That's where that's where he wants you to be. But I think then that's where then when you get to verse 14, those commands now come in and say, well, how, okay, well, how do we do this together? And he goes, well, okay, well, let me tell you. Right. And he has the, those, those kind of the three commands at the very front that have this idea of like the types of people where we're at when we're not looking like God intends us to look. The, the need of the heart then of this to be patient with, with everybody because we're going to need to do that. But then his final command, which I love there when he, when he says, but don't, don't repay anyone evil for evil, but seek to do the good to combat evil. Mm-hmm. And I think what was so powerful for me looking at this text was there's two major things. One, the need to understand the difference when people aren't living as God intends them. They're not just one person. There's different ways in which that manifests. Or just one way that we go wrong. Yeah, Yeah. or just one way we go off the rails, right? There's multiple ways in which people, sometimes of their own making, and I think that's the first one when we're to admonish the unruly. Mm -hmm. There are people that are willfully going, no, no, I'm not going to live how God's called me to live. Yeah, and in that willfulness, it can be a obstinate willfulness. It can be a knuckleheaded sort of, I don't know which way's up. But either way, hey, you're, you're... you, you, you're coloring outside the lines and you know it. Yeah. We need to, we need to, you need to be warned. You, you need yeah. to be corrected, right? You need to be instructed. That's kind of where admonishment comes from. But sometimes the world hits us hard and it's not us knocking ourselves off the rails. And when you think about the people where they were, I mean, they were getting bombarded by the world. Yeah. I mean, they were getting hit regularly by people that loved them, by mm-hmm. family, by friends, by neighbors. And I think just that bombardment over time made them faint hearted. Right, just little soul, that just that idea of you just are caving in on yourselves. <clears throat> but the other one is the idea of weak, where it just seems like, man, I'm ready to give up. And so in different ways, right, you are you're you're not living as God intended, sometimes of your own making, mm-hmm. and sometimes not of your own making. And I think this is where it's so crucial, where I can't to see I can't even wait to see how you guys land this in your own lives, is that that's why we have to be patient with them all, he says, because yeah. It's sometimes really hard to understand the difference between the three of those. And the implications that I talked about Sunday are when you choose to then uh, maybe coddle the unruly, well, that's a dangerous place to put them in because they need to be admonished. Yeah. But on the other side, the weak and the faint-hearted man, when you come at them and admonish them, oh gosh, you're going to damage these precious people and in a weird way, not help them walk as mm. Jesus intends them to walk. There won't be peace. And, a, and in that verse 15, I think this is where it comes in. When that when it hits, why we need to be patient? Because I think we have a predisposition to lose our heads. We have a predisposition to get angry. But, you know, like you have like an, a, an Ephesians 4 in your anger. Don't repay evil with evil, right? Yeah, don't, don't sin. sin. Yeah. But instead, we have to, we, we need to almost pull ourselves back long enough to know, What's the good that I'm supposed to do here? Yeah. And how can I even help that person to do the good that we're supposed to do here? It's almost don't don't become unruly yourself in the way you seek to admonish the unruly. Oh, you gosh. nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Which we have that predisposition, I mm-hmm. think, think to do. But I think it's I think it's fascinating. It's, it's worth restating 
the way you frame this out of saying, if this is all being framed and, and governed by that idea of what Christian, you, you said of going, man, build one another up and then moving towards peace, this, this idea of, of, you know, almost a shalom type of a thing, the way God intended this to be, all of a sudden, verse 14 and 15 then, they're not just abstract ideas, they're actually, you, you just, I think it's so important to just keep coming back to that why. Oh, this is a way we build one another up and we actually help live out the way God intended his creation to live. Yeah, which goes back to what you always bring up, that we might be the image bearers God intends us to be. Yeah. That's right. Right, it all goes all the way back, like you always say, it goes back to Genesis 1. Like mm -hmm. that peace that he's talking about here is the peace that we experience when we are living even, even in difficult, brutal, hard situations, right? So it doesn't matter our circumstances. It's that, no, like you are truly at shalom. You're, we're at peace when we're fulfilling who God created us to be, his image yeah. bearers. Like be, help people come alongside of one another, identify when we're not, and then help one another. Be patient because we don't always know, but then help one another. And I even think when we're helping one another, we're being the people God intends us to be. I think I find that really inspiring. Mm. It, it makes peace not sitting on the porch swing with a glass of lemonade, as nice as that might be. Peace is like the end of the montage in the sports movie where the ragtag bumbling group of football players go through a practice and get like beaten to shape by their coaches. And next thing you know, oh my gosh, they are humming on all cylinders. They are working well together and they are... They're working as they're intended to. That's yeah. peace is, wow, look at this. is It's clicking. Yeah. And we'll talk about it when we get to the, the next passage. I, I'll save a little bit of my, uh, my, my ammo on that one. <laughs> but I think you just nailed it. It's not just to be an individual thing. It's that we are humming along. I yeah. loved how you said that. It's yeah. not just a person individually is humming along. It's that the group is humming along. We are being the collective expression of Jesus, the display of God into the world. And that's where I, I, I love what Paul is trying to accomplish here in the lives of the Thessalonians and I think in us, which is so good. So what's, what's interesting, if you guys listen to this podcast often, you guys are kind of familiar with the, the rhythm that we have where we kind of frame out kind of the, the reason this conversation matters in this middle section of kind of the the biblical idealism, and then we kind of spend the last bit talking about the complexities of this. Um, this just strikes me as as one of those issues of going, man, the first segment was pretty short and crisp. It's pretty simple why this matters. Build one another up and move towards peace. It seems like this section of biblical idealism is also pretty like simple, like we're, okay, this is pretty simple. But I also go, man, in anticipation for this next section, I don't know, as simple as this part has been, I can't think of a section that we've talked to that's more complex <laughs> in how we go sideways on this imagine, so much. So imagine, <laughs> imagine them hearing this though, right? I'm trying to, I'm sitting there in my own life as I was kind of working through this passage. I imagine myself hearing this and my first thought would be, how do you do this? Yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking like, I don't know, I'm jumping ahead to the next section, but I'm going, I screw this up. It's so simple, but I screw this up so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I most think, of my friends do too. I so think that's why verses twenty three and twenty four are here. Yeah, because like I think if I started to think, oh my gosh, I am completely unfaithful. There is no way. 
I'm going to be able to do it. And then all of a sudden, Paul, and again, we'll get to, we'll, we'll talk next week about like just the idea of how he connects together 16 through 22. But in 23, when he gets down there and he, it's like, now may the God of peace himself, mm-hmm. the peace doesn't originate in us. Peace, the intent of God originates in the heart of God, right? Like, I love how he he finishes at the end, not putting this on us and our capacity to be able to pull this off, but he then comes to God and his capacity to sanctify us, not even just kind of, but he says completely that, that word just has the totality to it. Then he almost has to make sure he understands or that we understand what he's saying when he then adds to it, this idea of, oh, by the way, it's spirit, soul, body, every Mm -hmm. aspect of you. God is going to, until the return of Jesus, work this out so that you are blameless before him. Yeah. And, and, and even just those words in 24 that I tried to echo as we finished up the service, I love what he says at the very end of it when he just says, he who calls you is faithful. Mm-hmm. He, and it's actually, there's that chi in there, which you guys know from Greek is and, or it can be also, he will also surely do it. Yeah, he's going to get it done. He's going to get it done because when we're looking at the complexities, how in the world are we going to do this? I mean, it's just, I can imagine a, a, a man or a woman sitting there going, I'm getting bombarded on a daily basis. I'm going through the rigmarole of this life of following Jesus. And I feel like I'm about ready to quit. How in the world? And I just, Paul's point, well, God is faithful. Yeah. Stay in it. Stay in there. Yeah. It's not based on your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. It's based on his faithfulness to be able to accomplish it. And back to your point, you said earlier, like just the hope that this gives, right? Just yeah. this, like the moment that it, again, it doesn't release me from anything. It just reminds me that the source of this is not me, the God of hope himself, right? The the God of hope himself that he talks about in, in, in both 1 Corinthians 14 and then one of my favorite ones, the God of hope himself will soon crush Satan under your feet, right? The very one that stirs the dissension and the chaos, mm. the God of hope himself will do this. He's yeah. faithful. He will surely do it. And so I think like, I, I'm so glad Paul didn't leave that out or we would have been like, to, to your point, Spencer, how do we, right? how do we do this? Right. And it's that. In this section, there's there's not a cookie-cutter approach for how we go sideways, but there is a singular answer for how it gets made right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going in it. It's like we screw this up all kinds of different ways. Yeah. And we need to recognize that. <clears throat> Which I think next week then it's, well, then how do I build that dependence? Well, I love in 16 through 22, he says, well, I'll show you how mm-hmm. you as a group collectively build that dependence together. Yeah, man. And so when we get next week, I can't wait to talk more about that one. But I think this text, when I when I was thinking of myself, I kind of confessed to everybody my, my own foibles and failings this last weekend at Cornerstone. But I love how at the end of it, just that simple statement, God is faithful. He will also surely do it. Yeah, yeah I think... I think that's such a good protection because on the one hand, overplaying that, well, God will finish it one day, can lead to the, let me just kick back, take my foot off the gas and just, yeah, I'll just wait till God makes me perfect. Like, why keep trying if I'll be perfect one day? It also protects against the sort of like, like putting on, putting on airs of I'm going to try to act beyond where I'm at. 
it's like going to the Sistine Chapel, knowing you've got a box of crayons in your pocket and trying to replicate <laughs> what you see on the ceiling. It ain't going like, to happen. It ain't going to happen. But at the same time, like ultimately, yeah, what we will stand before God on is, okay, what, what did you do with that box of crayons? Yeah. How did you seek to create beauty out of it and pursue peace through it? And yeah, maybe it's little stick figures and daisies and stuff, but... But keep drawing, keep 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 putting this into practice. Yeah. Keep seeking to create in our relationships together, even if it feels like the the broken clock that's only right twice a day. Or, you know, you know those times when like we're in a conversation and, and you say something and someone says, "Hey, can you say it again?" You're like, "Oh, I don't even know what I, I said. It. Oh, that was so good. It's like, oh darn it, I said something like fitting to the moment, and I wasn't even there for it, right? You know, and like that sense of there's there are those times where we get to affirm each other and say, "Hey." You helped me in that moment yeah. of weakness. Or, oh, man, thank you so much for, yeah. for bringing that correction when I need it and showing me where I was out of and line. And I think you just nailed the key. It's not that we do this alone. Yeah. God's faithfulness gets displayed through his church family. Yeah. That I, I think sometimes we lose faithfulness as this, like, undefined kind of thing that just kind of happens. And, and we forget that, no, God is faithful through his spirit. And we'll learn next week it was faithful to his word, but at the core of all of it, the faithfulness of God is through his his, church, his mm. spiritual family. This family that we've been placed into is the ones that when we don't feel like we can draw, the family comes along and bears our burdens when we when we should be kind of knocked around a little because we need to be reminded, right, we're off kilter. Yeah. The church family does that. And I think that's what, again, is like so encouraging to me, the faithfulness of God displayed through relationships mm. in a local church like he's he's talking to us like, like cornerstone right yeah in our friendships and our relationships the provision of the faithfulness of god is one another and that's pretty cool oh man it's the it's the those clay jars from from second yeah, corinthians the, the, this idea that the incredible treasure of who god is and the glory of jesus and the gospel God's purpose was to put that in normal everyday people and say, yeah, you guys are the clay pots that get to hold this treasure and put it on display to the world. All right. Go so for it. Let's, 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 I want to land this a little bit because I'm serious what I meant. I know from all of us, we have experience in our past as shepherds. I think we have, we've seen God do a powerful work through us. I think we've also seen right when we haven't done a good job in relation to this. So, Whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would. I mean, I can't wait to kind of talk with you guys about this so that we can kind of land it, not just as, again, a, a concept or a theory, but I would even love to hear how you guys kind of have worked through this together. All right. So out of the plethora of ways in <laughs> which we've a myriad <laughs> misapplied verse 14 there and admonished the weak or helped the unruly like maybe even examples of when times where maybe we by the grace of god we we did give a word fitly spoken help someone in in their in their moment of need in the way they needed it like let's just throw it out there what as we each have sought to dance the dance of verse 14 <laughs> how many toes have we stepped on spencer first right. <laughs> not it yeah robin sitting <laughs> covered up there oh, no i'm not saying anything. um no, I think I think just it's worth reframing that verse fourteen is indeed in the context of wanting to build one another up at the yeah. end of eleven, and this idea of functioning the way God intended His people to be in verse thirteen. There. Thirteen, yeah, be at um, peace. And and when you consider that, and then then you look at five fourteen of admonish the unruly, 
encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all. First, I would just, I want to clarify, there's there's no question that people are doing something inappropriate here. Mm. Like, Paul clearly is assuming wrong action. Yes. It doesn't matter, I mean, he doesn't even define what the action is. Mm -hmm. He's just, it's very clear people are in the wrong. It's just how you deal with them in that. Yeah, and I would even, like, I probably didn't say this even enough. All of us at different points are this. Yeah, 100%. We've all been here. 100%. I would say no we've been exempt. in all three in all three categories. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No one's exempt from this. Yeah, exactly. And even in that way, like, to not hear wrong in terms of, like, morally wrong. Someone who's in a weak or faint-hearted position, it may not be because of moral failure on mm-hmm. their own part. It could yeah. just be the, the weariness, the burden of life. But it's still a wrong that needs to be right. But then to hit them on a moral failure when it's not a moral failure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, is, now, now you're violating 514. Now you've there. just violated this and actually yeah. brought great harm to your brother or sister in Christ. Yeah. And that's so now with that kind of framework, now let me kind of time of confession, right? There you, go. you know, um, it's been how many days since my last? No, sorry. <laughs> my last <laughs> confession here. was Sunday. Just, you know, I did yeah. public confession <laughs> in front are. of the church body. So um, because this is for Cornerstone Church, and I'm a part of Cornerstone Church still. So, um, I think the the one that where I go, the most glaring like violation for me of recently that just sticks out is going over the last two years, two years and like one month now, um, the socio political governmental, you know, just unrest that's mm. been evidenced really nationwide. But I live in Simi Valley and I interact with people at Cornerstone, and so how I have shepherded people at Cornerstone. Um, and I I would see people maybe thinking, they're off the rails a little bit, mm-hmm. but I tried to deal with people in a one size fits all approach. And so I, I just assumed everyone was just wrong in what they were thinking because they had a willful desire to be disruptive yeah to be that unruly person. yeah they were that they were being unruly mm-hmm. and it wasn't until much much later that i looked back on my interactions with people and went wow i, I think some people were indeed weak mm-hmm. and needed probably to be helped through whatever was going on whatever issues whether it was political or whether it was you know kind of more societal um you know I've, I look back and I go, man, I think some people were really discouraged and fearful mm-hmm. and they probably needed someone to come alongside and just put an arm around them and, and, and just encourage them. And I didn't do those things well. Mm-hmm. I just assumed everyone was unruly. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Oh, it's when you're when when you when you're a hammer, you think everything's a nail, right? <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. <clears throat> and you and you start swinging and and I there's like no doubt. I think then what that does Christian is right. Got all choked up. With yeah, that I one. know. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to choke him up. He's, he's right now on the other side of the room coughing, which is interesting. Yeah. But there's a side of I think what you're saying that is so. I, I would probably most people listening right now are probably going to feel very similar. We there were assumptions oftentimes made, mm-hmm. and that because we assumed there was some way in which somebody was willfully choosing to live in contradiction to who God is, whatever yeah. purpose or reason that was. Versus like that little sold where I, I think many people felt like their world was collapsing. They were little sold. 
and they came across looking unruly. And though the problem was then, instead of what he says to do here is to encourage, we admonished, mm-hmm. right? Or the person that was weak, instead of like seeing that they were, they just wanted to run, right? They wanted out of here. What we did is again, we admonished when we should have done. Tr- we crushed them. Yeah, and, and that, that word for help, right? That idea of like in, to envelop, to hold, mm-hmm. to cling to, instead of clinging to them, we, mm-hmm. it, it was the hammer nail thing. Yep. And, and there's no doubt, like you and I have talked about this a lot, Spencer, is just feeling like we really did maybe miss, not maybe, we did miss mm-hmm. aspects of those that we know and love. And yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And so I think when we're, when we're looking at this passage and how we go sideways, I think starting with that, like the recognition that it's, there's not a cookie cutter approach when people are doing something that's a little bit off the rails. Like we can affirm that it's wrong, but the need to actually do the work to understand, not just that something is wrong, but actually do the work and go, but why are they doing something wrong? Then this is, I think his patience here. Pull yourself back from the situation. Don't make a snap decision understand what's going on, understand right. the heart of this person. What are they wrestling through? There's, you're, If you just react to the symptom, again, you, you could react wrongly. But when I understand what's going on in the heart and the mind of the person I'm talking to, right. now Paul is like, okay, now you know how to enter in and to help or to encourage or to admonish, right? Where right. It's, but we, that really does take the, the patience aspect. Yeah. Because I think you see it, I mean, I think we could explore more, like how do we see it playing out cornerstone as a whole in the way we engage our community or social issues? Or I think we can drop it into like personal family oh. situations because I think all of us would go, man, do we do we always care for our kids in a way that are, you know, or, right. you know, friends of ours or, you know, spouses or whatnot? And you go, because I... I I don't apply this well in almost any situation, you know? I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but going, man, I just think through life and I go, man, um, do I really take the time to think through why my kids are doing what they're doing? Or do I just assume they're being rebellious? Or even to understand, like you said, societal issues. Oftentimes we make snap judgments or it's based off of a, a YouTube This is video. really having an impact on Christian I know. here. <laughs> Christian is being moved right now. I feel like he's got some sin he needs to confess. I need to admonish him. Is, I think he, he might be discouraged right now. Though. Oh, does he need to be hugged? I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah, man. What I need is a drink of water or a cough drop or something. I apologize. I don't have anything. I'm going to go you. get a, I'm going to go get one. Please do. Hey, guys, this is... Well, Spencer and I are going to bring it to a conclusion, I think. Yeah. Well, he goes and gets what he's going to get. But I, I think you just, in all those things, I, I even feel like the church as a whole, when we see evil in our world, there's a predisposition, if we're not careful, to use evil as the means of overcoming evil. Yeah. Right. In other words, instead of really seeking to do good... Yes. Like, what does this look like to honestly be the people of God? Because sometimes that means you're going to get slapped on the right side of your face. And in order to model Jesus, you're going to have to get slapped on the left side. Yep. Um, it is just, it is such a different thing when we think about the upside down kingdom and how we're called to approach it is that really changes the dynamic of it. Yeah. What an interesting thing to think through there of going, yeah, when you, when you move past verse 14, which there's a lot more to be said there. Mm-hmm. And you get into verse four, uh, 15, don't repay evil for evil. When we look and see the world around us responding poorly and there's an injustice in the world, do we respond 
with just a different form of wickedness? Yeah. Do we respond with anger? Or do I respond? Because I think the good part of this, when he says to do good, do I respond in the way in which God intends us to respond? Exactly. Right. So if I see, um, I brought up this weekend, um, just the idea of if I see a woman being abused, well, on one end, we do need to envelop her, right? That's how we help the weak. But God has given authorities in our lives to be able to go to, right? We call the police, right? There's a yeah. God has instituted that as the means of being able to bring about protection or, or again, any of the other ways in which we look at this, I think we forget God has a way to deal with this. And sometimes it does mean we have to take a blow. Um, but many times it's like going, okay, Lord, the good you're doing here, what, what is it that we are supposed to be as people of your upside down kingdom to bring about the good that you intend so that people might see King Jesus, which is such a different approach on that. So let me ask you a question then. So you just acknowledge your failure, and I appreciate you acknowledging that you're a failure. That's sometimes something. out of weakness, sometimes yeah. out of rebellion, though. Yeah, just a hard-heartedness. So. I know. So from your perspective then, how have you begun to work through the week, your failure? Like, okay, so you've, you've acknowledged your failing. Yeah. Right. And I think the worst thing we can do is then end up beating ourselves up and yep. different things. Right. Yep. So, okay. So yep. what has happened in your life that you're now going, okay, I need to work through how I have failed. Well, I've, it's a great question, but I think, I think the recognition that I am actually in, in the recognition of my failing, I'm actually in one of those categories of first Thessalonians five. Sometimes I fail because I don't care. And I want to, you know, and some, sometimes I'm, I'm just discouraged in my failing. And, and sometimes I'm just weak. I'm just tired. I'm overwhelmed in it. And so, so one is the recognition that, wow, sometimes when I see myself responding poorly to people, there's not even a one size fits all to why I'm even doing that. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I don't always get unhinged with my kids or super judgy towards, you know, all y'all because, I'm even in the same spot. Sometimes yeah. the reason I'm off the rails is because of... You're you know, one of these three. Yeah, I'm one of those three in my improper or improper response. So I don't know if that makes sense. So, yeah. so one is the recognition that I am in one of those categories. Um, the second, and I think it gets lost in this because I've, I've become so fixated on these three categories and making sure I take the time to, to do the work, is the need to be patient. And that it's not a quick fix there's not a silver bullet on this stuff. Um, like you you and I were talking in a, on a different podcast. We were talking about um, Christian nationalism in that blending of political ideology with kingdom ideologies. And, and when we get those uh, misprioritized, um, how dangerous that is. And I remember the takeaway there was the need to be patient, that this is not a quick pursuit and so when I look at 514, that little phrase right at the end of being patient with all, the need to just continue to just rest in that mm. and go, man, you know what? I need to do the work. I need to appropriately respond. Well, classify and then respond the person I'm walking with. And then just be patient mm. because there's no quick fix in this. Um, it might be, and that's awesome. But it might not be. And so just be long suffering with people. Mm -hmm. um, and then recognizing, and I think you, you can probably tee it up better than I can, is where Paul lands this thing at the end of chapter five. But before we get to chapter five, I, I do, I want to revisit, um, I would do, be doing a disservice to my family 
mostly because they see the I have a, a perception in some circles of being relatively stoic. Um, but if you want to see people respond, like responding to wrongdoing with wrongdoing, it's like, man, my kids have seen sides of me. My wife have seen sides of me where it's like, you want to respond to wrongdoing with just more wrongdoing. It's like, man, I can escalate a situation in all kinds of unhealthy ways. And so just the need to go, oh yeah, don't respond to a improper situation improperly. Yeah. Like continue to seek shalom and how, yeah. how would God intend me to respond to this wrong that I see? Yeah. And so often I just jump right in and respond to a improper situation or to an injustice with just a different form of injustice or a different form of, I respond to sin with sin. I respond to sin with a different kind of sin yeah, but it's still an ungodly response. I think one of the hard things for me over the last two and a half years as like a leader, and I think you and I have talked about this, is that patience was not actually a virtue over the oh last gosh. two years, <laughs> right? Silence is violence. You need to make a decision now. We have to do something, right? And yep. and so and, and and again, I was just as guilty as anybody else on that. But then all of a sudden, as a leader, or as someone in any way given authority to figure out how to work these things through patience not being a virtue was difficult to do decision making because oftentimes your decision was hey we don't have enough content or information to make mm -hmm. a decision right now mm -hmm. so just everybody be patient be yeah. patient right and and that i think like that's the when you're talking about that i think that patience comes in this is where the faithfulness of god comes in his timetable is so not our timetable right we always think things have to be done immediately and I do think there's a time we have to respond to injustice mm -hmm. or different things, right? So we can't just not do anything. But sometimes our first inclination because of like evil hits, and then we want to, we, our first response isn't always good. It's okay, I need to, I need to, like you said, I need to escalate this thing. I need to do something. But yet in this case, that ability to, to pull yourself back from the situation and go, okay, Lord, where are you working here? What does it look like to live the upside down kingdom at this particular point? That's that, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like, and I am so glad though that in that moment I can trust that God's not in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the other side of this one in five fourteen is that if if we make this an individualized thing, it becomes dang near impossible. Yeah. But but if if we remember that this is written into a corporate context, it's a it's a all y'all. It's going, oh yeah, you know what? The reminder of that upside down kingdom, the need to step back and be patient, the need to, to not respond uh, to evil with evil, the need to actually take time to classify where someone is off the rails and why they're off the rails in a particular way, that doesn't fall on me yeah. as an individual. It falls on we. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a we side of things. Because one thing that I'm starting to realize as I get older, and you guys probably could have told me this years ago, or maybe you did, maybe Robin did. Robin, yeah, Robin did actually. Of going, the, the realization that I, I can't trust my own decision-making half mm. the time. I can't trust my own assessment half the time. I need other people to speak truth Amen. into that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's another thing here of going, man, there's yeah. the need to, to remember this is a, a we thing. Thanks for confessing that. By the way, appreciate uh, it'll that. Be a couple more days for till the next time. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. you okay, Christian? You're alive. I'm. I'm okay. Just so you now. Know, back. You. Christian is alive. Everything is good. Yes. Yeah. You have any thoughts before we close it? <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, a ton. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that one of the thoughts that I had, and this was kind of related to what you guys were talking about, was I think in any of our lives, when there's something that's kind of, we realize has been like an idol, you know, not like a statue that we bow down to, but like something that has played too important a, ro a role that we've made too foundational, whether it's a relationship or a political party or an, an identity, a profession or things like that. And when that gets shaken, um, when you realize that you've built your life or your identity or security on something that is weak, you're going to feel weak, right? And I think that like the knee jerk can be, well, there's your problem. You never should have put your hope in that thing anyways. Like that never should, you never should have. Remember we sing that song on Christ, the solid rock, all other ground is sinking sand. What were you thinking? That's never going to be helpful, right? There is a sense of the help in weakness in those times, even when the weakness is, yeah. I realize I have built my life on the wrong foundation in this, in this aspect. Okay. It, uh, the, the, the image in my mind is Peter climbing out of the boat to walk to Jesus when Jesus is walking on the water and then seeing the waves and getting scared and sinking and saying, Lord, save me. Mm. And Jesus doesn't come with a correction. He comes with a hand. He grabs mm. hold of him and picks him up and puts him back in the boat and then looks at him and says, okay, yeah, your faith is small. Why, why'd you doubt? Like there is a time to talk about it. Right. Mm. But in that moment, what Peter needed was help, not correction, not yeah. And that's what Jesus gave him. Man, Jesus, I want to be like you in that, you know? Yeah. Parting thought for me on this one is I think we also, I think we can do a disservice if we don't realize that the same event can elicit all three responses. Oh, yeah. You know, if you go through something really traumatic, in the moment you might be weak or discouraged, but if you stay in that unhealthy inappropriate response for years now you're being obstinate mm. you know and so so the same issue the same event when when you first are exposed to it might have one response and it might need to have one but then over years it might necessitate a different handling and, and approach and i think that's also important is that that sometimes even though it's the same issue um given time, circumstance, context, it might necessitate a different response for yeah. people. I just think that's another variable. In well, there. I, I think you're right on. Mm -hmm. Like it comes, I think it goes all different directions on that, where in my own life and others I love and know that I've walked with, oftentimes how others have wronged me or wronged them can turn into bitterness oh, yeah. and it can turn into rage. Yeah. It can turn into a lot of different things, right? If not, right. If we don't come alongside of others and help the weak and encourage the faint-hearted, right? Like, I think this is where it's so important. Right. They need to be because it can lead to an unruly life. Right. Yeah, like, in the moment, if somebody wrongs you and you're still pretty raw, I can come alongside and go, oh, man, you're pretty raw. Let me put my arm around you. Let me help you. Let me encourage you. But eight months later, a year later, if you're still chafed and still bitter, and, and now that's not, it's not you being weak or discouraged in that, you're now bitter yeah. and, and you're it's 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 you're being divisive because you don't want to reconcile yeah i don't need to put my arm around you and encourage you in that one i might need to put my arm around you and give yeah. you a little bit of an admonishment there and i've even seen the unruly eventually become the weak and mm -hmm. they even become the faint-hearted in many ways because they they stew in it for so long they mm -hmm. just they want to quit yeah and they 
and I think that's to your point where you were talking about how difficult it is to enter into people's lives. Because if I have all three hitting at one point, well, which do I deal with first? How do I, how do I know how to, because if I come in and I hit the week hard, mm-hmm. well, we may never get to those, those ways in which their unruly life has led to these things. So what do you think it is that prevents us from actually doing that? Like classifying these things properly, you know what I mean? Of going, like what? I'm prideful. I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just step out and say this. I think I'm prideful enough to think I understand the situation at, at first go around. Yeah, yeah. And so like, that's for me, like I, whenever I have to tell myself all the time when I go into counseling, in this first time with them, just listen. Yeah. Don't solve. Just listen. Because of my predisposition is to think, oh, I understand. They're this. I, I get it, right? And what an arrogant thing to think that I understand the first time I sit down with somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, man, just that capacity to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, right? Like a James one reality. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'll just throw it out there. I think I'm just prideful. Yeah, I would agree with you that you're prideful. Thanks. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, me too. I do think there's that, like you said, over-trusting my, my reaction, over-trusting the reflex and not the patience to ask questions. And I also think there's just the, I, I think even just culturally, the pace at which we want to run. I only have X amount of time mm-hmm. to figure this out. That's and, all. and I need to have an action item or bring th- things yeah. to a resolution by the end of this. So therefore, okay, enough time for listening. It's time to act. Um, but so, so part of that is, again, a call into shared life, a call into living in community with one another. So that way there, you, you develop that, that, context in your relationships to go, Hey, we've, we've had conversations a lot of times about a lot of different issues. I see something different in you right now. It just seems like the winds got taken out of your sails. What's going on? Right? Like, or man, it seems like there's a little bit of an edge, uh, in that is, you know, and, and those things that just kind of give you the, the ability not to, not to have x-ray vision into someone's soul, but just that, that extra data, to, that awareness to, an awareness yeah. of it, you know? And I think about the, just the folks in, in my life that are close to me who sometimes I, maybe I think I've got more of a poker face than I, than I do. And they're like, Hey, I've noticed this in you a little bit more. How are you doing? Yeah. And it almost is good for me to stop and slow down and go, gosh, how am I doing? I, I don't want to pull the wool over my own eyes, yeah. let alone anybody else's. But I think need just, help. yeah. That, and that the help from help that comes with, again, I loved how you pointed out how all the way back in verse 12, it's not just to respect those who labor among you, but to know them and the, the knowledge of one another that allows us to, to know how to help one another. Yeah. All right. Well, we better draw to close. We tried to, we went a little long, but we were waiting for a Christian. We didn't want Christian to die <laughs> and we wanted Christian to be a part of it. <clears throat> and Thank so you. Spencer and I tried to hold down the fort while, while he almost, we're just glad you're alive. Christian, we're glad you're, all, you're well. You. Yeah. Can I, can I just finish with a, on an yeah. up note on a, like a success story? Finish on the up note. So I just heard an amazing story. Um, a, a lady was struggling with gender dysphoria, transitioned, became a follower of Jesus. And as she became a follower of Jesus, got uh, in, involved in a church family that, that really embodied 1 Thessalonians 5.14. And they, they took the time and patience to recognize, wow, we're, is she being rebellious, hard-hearted? Is she discouraged? Is she weak in regards to her sexuality mm. and her identity? Gender identity. And, um, 
and they were patient with her. She got to a point where she wanted to detransition, not because anybody ever dealt severely with her, but then they came alongside and truly loved her to a point of actually providing a place for her because no one knew what this was going to look like on the back end. So it was like, hey, we'll help you financially. We'll provide a place to stay, whatnot. And just going, when you see someone in an unhealthy state, someone actually taking the time and then years later, seeing how that actually embodied Jesus well. Mm. I don't know. I just, when you see someone actually do it right, it's pretty amazing. Wow. It's the upside down kingdom. Right. 100%. The beauty of the upside down kingdom. Yeah. So it's doable. It just doesn't make sense all God the time. God is faithful. Amen. He will surely do it. So appreciate you all. Love you all. Uh, thanks for just hanging out with us in Beyond Sunday. And like I say all the time, our heart is that these amazing ideal truths would get landed into the life of Cornerstone and the life of these relationships. And that's what we love to talk about. So God bless you all.